I really wish that you would not send her candy without consulting me. I'm talking to you. Not all the decisions are taken by the female. Especially when the male partner's fulfilled his obligations. Beyond the line of duty. When you wanted me to spend my afternoon sunbathing by the lake, I was glad to become the bronze glamour boy for your sake instead of remaining the scholar. Even then, I scoot along after you like an obliging little lapdog. Oh, yes, I'm happy, I'm delighted to be bossed by you, but every game has its rules. And that's from Lolita. I love that type of passion when someone finally breaks through and they say, you're not going to control my life anymore. This is my life. I want to be a scholar. I don't want to be your lapdog anymore. It's over. So whether you're, you feel like you're in the shadows of a parent and you're leading your life according to their rules, their standards, and you want to break free, or whether it's a husband or a partner or a wife where you feel like you are just following in their footsteps, doing what they want, like one of those dogs that we used to have in the back of the car that, uh, uh, I don't know, ceramic dog or something that would, whose head would wobble when the car moved. You just feel like you're, you don't own your own life. You want to have that moment of breaking free, of hearing your own mind in private say, this is my life, I'm not doing it anymore. Then figure out how to be tactful and then go and say it to the person the person who's causing all the problems in your life, which is really not the other person, it's yourself. It's, that's what psychological independence is about, learning how to own your own life, to make your own independent decisions, to set your own standards, your own goals, your own dreams, and to remain true to them, not to break your own integrity, but to be true to yourself. If you're seeing things running through your head, who can you call I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. You're listening to The Rational Basis of Happiness. And I told you how I thought I was becoming a widow. Now, obviously, my husband's right here. He's phenomenal. But something was getting in the way. And we've all heard of football widows or baseball widows, women whose husbands are totally inaccessible and unapproachable. Don't you dare approach them during the games. I grew up in a family where my father loved the games, and he was fairly unapproachable during them, especially when the Red Sox lost. Well, now I'm feeling like a widow. My husband has recently taken up a hobby, and when I go to talk to him after dinner or before bed or just in odd moments, he's totally preoccupied. Now, is he at the computer scanning the web for sexy women? No. Uh, We went out last night, and he ordered dinner. Went out to a nice restaurant. He took out his paper of numbers. Okay, so is he gambling? No, but he is dealing with numbers. Have you guessed it yet? He's dealing with the numbers one through nine. I feel like a Sudoku widow. He has become involved with these games that like crossword puzzles. He enlarges them on the computer so he's got a bigger picture of them. And I try to reach him and he is totally absorbed in these puzzles. And unlike when he reads the paper and I can, he can say, yeah, and he'll put his finger where he is. And he's a very accommodating. He's a wonderful man. With these, I can't break through. So I'm a bit baffled. My son's totally wrapped up in these number puzzles. My sister can do something easily that she calls level five. She can do it in 15 minutes, whatever the heck that is. 
Yesterday I went to a psychological conference and I saw one of the top Rhode Island psychologists working on his clinical notes during lunch. He didn't go to lunch with everyone else and I was taking phone calls and the rest. I didn't want to interrupt him even though it was very, very cold in the room. So I went over and figured when he finishes his clinical notes, I will ask him if he can turn the heat up a little bit. I walked towards him, but he was totally absorbed. His head was down. I was very close in his peripheral vision, but he didn't pay any attention to me like you normally would. So I finally got cold enough that I decided to interrupt his train of thought. And I got up right, right in front of him, real close. And I noticed that he was not writing clinical notes, but he was filling out a Sudoku puzzle. So help, I don't understand the appeal. Help me out here. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on the Rational Basis of Happiness. Here's a question that I received about someone who's having a lot of problems with their mother. And I know that, um, as I speak, many, many of you out there probably are feeling some pain in your relationship with a parent, whether it's your mother. This is a mother-daughter problem. Dear Dr. Kenner, I need some advice about my mother. Our relationship has always been a struggle. Recently, she called with bad news about her health and wants me to forget our past, our painful past. I can't do that. I have emotional scars. I don't know what to do. She tells me that the past is over and she refuses to change her behavior. In addition, for over a year, she's not called me. I felt invisible. I didn't hear a word from her until now. Help me, please. She has a few months to live, exclamation point, Tina. So how do you decide what to do, Tina? Do you forgive and forget? And if you did, what cost would that be to your own sense of integrity. Would that be the right thing to do in quotes? Or is it an act of self-betrayal? What do you owe your mom? Well, what did she earn? In your honest, most objective evaluation of her, what did she earn? In your case, Tina, take a closer look at that damage that your mom did. Maybe you may not want to go back into the past and remember the screaming or the yelling or what are now emotional scars, you may not want to bury under those scars and see the raw pain, but you've got to do that to make this decision. If it's the case that mom was a decent parent and very apologetic and you were a wild drug-using kid who dropped out of school, hung with the wrong crowd, engaged in lying, cheating, and stealing, then she is owed an apology. She is owed one. And it is you take ownership for what you did. She's owed a deep, heartfelt apology. But I, I don't think that's the problem. If you look at that raw wound and underneath your scar and you see that she wants you to forget the past and she's guilty of something, the, the fact that she's saying she wants you to forget it makes me feel like, aha, uh -huh, she is guilty. Ask yourself, what was there? Was mom an alcoholic? Was she a man chaser? Was she a person who suckered into others into providing for her and you were one of those others? Did she have a sharp tongue? Was she envious of your success, your good grades, your good friends, your good personality? Was she envious of your character? That you, that you are honest, she isn't. That you're hardworking, she's a bum. That you're playful, she's mean. That you're warm and friendly, she's rude and crude, and she's vicious and gossipy. That you're self-assured, and she has very low self-esteem. Is she envious of your happiness? If she tried to tear you down as a child by exaggerating minor flaws, by putting roadblocks in your way, by calling you names, by giving you unfair punishments, then even if she provided you with meals and a roof over your head, and even if she was what we call a functional mom, 
She was anything but a nurturing mom. And you owe her nothing. You owe yourself credit for having escaped from mom's envy and hopefully having done well in your life despite mom's jealousy. Her appeal to pity that she's dying and she she can now force an apology from you given this deadline is totally unjust to you. What would such an apology be? It would be a lie. You would know you didn't mean it, and she would know you didn't mean it. So ask yourself if if there is any personal value in touching base with your mom. Have you said all that you want to say to her, and you'd rather let her go to her grave knowing that she's earned your indifference and payment for the emotional scars that you're wearing? Or is there unfinished business on your part? Um, things left unsaid, both either positive or negative. For example, if you've never expressed how angry you are with her, you can say to her if you want the closure. Mom, I bet you thought I came here to forgive and forget. The fact that you're dying is very sad for me, but it's even sadder that you never lived the way you could have. You saw me as a better example of how to live your own life, and I felt attacked for my success and happiness. I had a painful childhood, Mom. I hated coming home and seeing you passed out on the couch. I hated that I could never bring my friends over to the house for fear that they would see the pig pen we lived in. I hated that you hid us in places where it wouldn't show. And I hated that you forced us to say that you never hid us. I hated that you made us put on a front to others, pretending that you were a loving mom. I hated the hypocrisy. I hated that you never identified what you loved in life, Mom. You never showed me what it would be like to have a happy mom. You made excuse after excuse for yourself, and you refused to make an effort to get out of your rut when you knew that plenty of help was available. I hated my childhood. Mom, can you tell me how I can forgive this? Can I erase what you did in the past? No. You made your choices, and you could have chosen otherwise. Can I pretend that you were a nurturing mom, my cheerleader, when you tortured me every time I succeeded? No, I can't rewrite the past. I wish for both our sakes that you had been committed to your own happiness. You refused to reflect, to introspect, to understand yourself. You refused to think about your problems. You made yourself blind to your own character and barricaded yourself with ugly rationalizations as to why you couldn't help it, why you were right and others were wrong. Mom, I know you're dying. I wish you had fully lived, and for that I feel very sad. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on the Rational Basis of Happiness. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner. Beware of infatuation based on looks. Foster met Juliana when she waited on him at a bar. He discovered that this gorgeous, seductive woman with long, silky hair, blue eyes, and a beautiful smile was an aspiring Hollywood actress. Foster courted her ardently. She was short of money, so he convinced her to move in with him. He bought her flowers, cooked her meals, bought her new clothing, and loaned her his car. He was ecstatic when she agreed to have sex with him, but her sexual response was mechanical, lacking in intimacy. In the back of his mind, Foster knew something was missing in their relationship. Juliana came home one day beaming. She had gotten her first small role in a movie. The following day, Juliana ditched him for an up-and-coming young actor. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy the book at amazon.com.